You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcast. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook or Instagram. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows Trio programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former Trio staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with Trio. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Amelia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In today's episode, we have Felicia Rivera. She is a graduate of New Mexico Highlands University and alumni of the Trio Upperbound program at Eastern New Mexico University. Felicia is on the podcast to talk about her educational journey, what led her into counseling, and all the memories and experiences she had with the Trio Upper Bound program. So coming up in just a bit, Felicia Rivera. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, Jaded Electronics, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. You too can be a sponsor of the podcast. Head on over to Patreon and search for Let's Talk Trio. Choose one of four patron levels. You can support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month. A dollar a month goes a long way in supporting this podcast. If you own a business and would like to advertise on this podcast, we have a corporate sponsorship level at $100 a month. For $100 a month, we will weave in your ad on this podcast. If you would like to nominate a participant, staff, alumni, or advocate on the podcast, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. Again, a great episode featuring Felicia Rivera, alumni of the Trio Upward Bound Program at Eastern New Mexico University. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. From five, four, Three, two, one. Hello, Trio Nation. My guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast is a graduate of New Mexico Highlands University, earning a Bachelor's of Psychology in 2001 and a Master's in Bilingual, Bicultural, Social Work in 2009. She is currently a licensed clinician uh, in social work and in New Mexico and Texas, operates a private practice in Las Vegas, New Mexico. She's an alumni of the Eastern New Mexico University Trio Upward Bound Program. She is married to Dennis Rivera and has two children, Cody, 19, and Gabby, 16. Some of her interests in, uh, are her, for her love for a variety of types of music, traveling, watching documentaries, reading a good book, evening talks with her husband and children, connecting with family and friends, and a good cup of coffee. For her, Folgers just don't cut it. 
So she is dedicated to increasing her awareness around generational trauma and dedicated to her own personal healing. One interesting thing about Felicia is that she was the first grandchild to graduate from college from both sides of her family. Welcome Felicia Rivera to the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Felicia, welcome to the podcast. Hey Juan, how's it going? Thank you for having me. I definitely did not bring my folders this morning. I um, <laughs> I have some New Mexico Pinon coffee. If you haven't Ooh, had any, good. yeah, and um, it's a it's a bizcochito flavor. So Ooh. that's what I'm having. But it's crazy how like we grew up on Folgers, right? And so I didn't know anything else. Yeah. So once you try to have something else, it's like, oh my God, what the heck was I missing out on? <laughs> yeah, so hopefully so. we're not we're not going to lose sponsorship over the Folgers, which is uh, which is okay by us. But uh, <laughs> Folgers coffee, I mean, you grew up around that too. My, my dad loved co uh, Folgers coffee. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So maybe if he wants to expand his taste buds a little bit, you know, like... I don't know. Some people are just set in their ways. You know, they're just hardcore, not going to change. But for me, I so much more to explore different types of coffees. And I'm definitely a coffee drinker. So Absolutely. hopefully all the coffee drinkers are listening out there. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for accepting the invitation to the podcast. I know we've been back and forth with uh, scheduling and trying to get you on. And I know I've had to cancel on my end and we had to reschedule. And then uh, our your, your sister, Perky, uh, Lydia, Lydia Tarango, who is your sister, uh, she has been telling me to get you on the podcast. And so she was your first advocate. And then we were trying to reach out. We were trying to work out a time and it's, it wasn't quite lining up. But finally, today, we were able uh, to, to meet and to have you on this podcast, which is amazing. Right. I mean, it seems like, oh, my God, like we kept trying to connect and our, our world, start, the stars didn't align. And and I was thinking, too, I was going to cancel the day. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, maybe I could just cancel. And then I was like, no. But of course, as a therapist, you're kind of like, what what's going on here? You need to mm -hmm. kind of look a little deeper within yourself. <laughs> and so, right. you know, of course, that's always for me, the, the first place I go. And so glad to be here. Glad to be here and glad I could make it today. Well, we're very fortunate to have you uh, in this space, in this uh, environment, and, and uh, you sharing your trio story. So I'm going to ask you a question right off the bat about COVID, because I think uh, the world has mostly either that we we know it's still there, it, it's, it exists, it's there, uh, but we've moved on almost as a, as a whole community to uh, now in a post-COVID world. Uh, so I've had previous in previous episodes, I've had guests reflect on uh, the two years living in the world of COVID. Um, how did the pa pandemic affect you? And uh, did you did it affect you at all? You know, it's kind of like the 9-11 thing, like you can kind of like, you know, where were you at when the world stopped turning 9-11? Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can kind of like access that file. Mm -hmm. like right now as I, I'm kind of asking you yeah. and so I kind of like compare it to that like I remember the moment like we were at my son's um state championship tournament and you know he had just finished playing and then they started announcing on the radio like or on the intercom you know COVID you know we're not going to have you know, games, everything's canceled, well, for spectators. And so I just mm -hmm. kind of remember trying to wrap my head around that. And, and you could just see people walking in the in the building, you know, in the halls, just kind of with this blank stare on their face. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of was a moment in time, like a moment in history that kind of just slowed down. 
And, and of course, from there, it was like, you know, of course, I, I'm sure we've, we've talked about it over and over and over, you know, but it, it's a little bit of trauma, like just, you know, as, and it came in waves, schools started shutting down. Um, and you hear it everywhere, the TV, radio, you know, everybody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we kind of just make adjustments, right? We're, we're, you know, resilient, you know, I would call myself a very resilient person, um, you know, trying to help our clients, my clients cope with um, the changes and adjustments. And thankfully, we were able to switch over to telehealth pretty quickly, mm-hmm. which is a which is a nice option for um, for our clients, um, which but which which is which was hard too, right? Because sometimes um, you have families that are you know, maybe this is mom's only time for herself to come into the office and have a space or, you know, um, somebody's, you know, an elderly person that just wants to come in and have some kind of social connection, you know, because maybe, you know, all her friends are passing away. And so mm-hmm. that one-on-one connection, you know, those transitions were definitely hard for people. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and but on the other hand, like COVID was a really nice like tool to kind of look inside the worlds of, you know, the people that I work with, you know, right. Because sometimes when you're in the space with somebody, you don't see the full dynamic sometimes because it's just there's no really no pressure. It's just me and them. But then you see, you know, you can see them in the background, you know, the kids are kind of you know, maybe dysregulated or, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can see the home environment, like kind of the stressors that they're going through, um, you know, and then a lot of times too, you know, um, you, you know, people meet in their cars, they don't have privacy, so they meet in their cars. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, pe- everybody, everybody had to adjust and we, we made it happen. We, you know, we're there to support people while I was going through my own adjustments. And so, you know, that that's how it went. Yeah. So that was a lot of right adjustment on everyone's end on, uh, on work life and all of that. But for many, this was also an opportunity to express their creativity if they work from home. Uh, did you get to explore your own creativity and figure <laughs> out kind of like, what's your interest your hobbies? Oh, so I think for me, like, again, it was a big adjustment. And so as a mom with two kids, you know, being at home um, on telehealth and, and working, you know, I'm, I'm trying to juggle like, okay, sessions, and then I have 10 to 15 minutes in between sessions. So then you're like, oh, cool, I get to spend time with my kids and check in on them. But then you get or put a load of laundry in or, you know, get a roast in the crock pot or, mm-hmm. you know, clean up the house or whatever. And then, which is great, you know, it's like wonderful. I'm able to you know, do all these things, but then, then I'm getting, right. then I'm behind on my notes or I'm mm. behind. So it kind of like, you, I just had to find the balance. So I'm not sure as far as a creativity, well, maybe I'm sure that there were some creative elements right to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the positives was like, you know, we got to spend a lot of time together. Right on. You know, yeah. um, and then we were together kind of going through this together under the same roof. So we kind of just, Although it felt really safe, unsafe outside, mm-hmm. you know, we, we were kind of like our own little buddy system. You know, we made yeah. it work. That's very cool. I like that uh, 
the the being able to check in. Uh, I had a similar experience with with my kiddos when they uh, we were all quarantined uh, and having to do school online. Very different experience. Uh, but Very. what's something uh, what's something that the pandemic taught you uh, in general, either about yourself, your family, or just uh, looking at the outside world? Right. So that's that's a huge like big loaded question, right? For me because it just taught me like so many things. I think. Um, and so I guess I can share maybe like a slice of what it's taught me. Sure thing. Um, so I don't know if you guys are followers of Dr. Shafali. Have you heard of her? Uh, not really. No, no. Okay. So she's awesome. And if anybody like is, you know, curious about her, she's, she has a lot of great like resources and information and, um, to help to help people and so i i really like following her um youtube videos and her books and things like that but anyway so she talks about this concept of accepting the as is and mm-hmm. so it really kind of helped me through you know those moments of you know i need control i need control over you know because we had a curfew here in vegas I don't know if oh, you guys whoa. had anything in. Yeah, we had a curfew here in Vegas. We had to be home by 10. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. So it's like, you know, you, you, this, accepting the as is, is this concept of, you know, accepting what is, right? Like what's right in front of you. Not that you have to like it. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is this is what it is, right? We can wrestle with it all we want. Right. Right. So it's like if I get a ticket, Somebody, if I get pulled over and I, and I get a ticket, right? well, I can be pissed off for a whole week. Mm-hmm. I can be pissed off. I can, you know, tell all my friends and you know what, and whatever, blah, 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 blah. Right. Or I can accept that I got a ticket. Not that I like it, but I don't have to wrestle with those painful feelings or, or angry feelings or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it really taught me to practice that more and more. And so like one of the things it was kind of a funny, uh, my daughter, she's always teach. well, both my kids teach me so much about myself. Um, she like, my son and daughter are two, like they're polar opposites, right? And so mm-hmm. my daughter, you know, so she was kind of adjusting to the pandemic and um, she had her laptop out. She'd get things done, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But while laying in bed, and just like you know chilling <laughs> and to me i was like no right you need to be up you need to be like on it you need to be like here's your desk blah 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 right and so she really she says mom i get things done don't i and i had to take a step back and i'm like chick so i'm like i always have to like check myself right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she's right she's exactly right everybody of course is not the same and everybody has their own way and for me, and maybe it was a little bit of control, like, well, it probably was a little bit of control of how I think things need to be. Mm-hmm. And so just like with the pandemic, there were so many things out of our control, right? A lot of things out of our control. So really helped me to just try to not wrestle with things so much. Um, and so the and, and I guess one of the other important things is how important human connections are for for me and and just for other people and um 
you know, even though, you know, I work, I have, we have an office that I share with my colleague. Mm-hmm. We were, we were alone here. The The streets were like deserted. Like it was, yeah. it was like ghost town. Right. Yeah. But knowing that she was in the office, like we didn't have any inter- interaction because we were so busy, but knowing that she was there, that human person and the other door was mm-hmm. just like comforting, you know? So just Absolutely. those human connections are so important. So I don't know. No, it's like a slice of the pie, I think, that, that what the pandemic taught me. Thank you so much for sharing that part of um, of your life, Felicia. I think that's important for people to hear and to understand, right, that everybody got affected by the pandemic differently, but we also shared some common themes. Right, right, for sure. Have you returned to normal activities post-quarantine? So, you know, I always kind of say, like, it's definitely a new normal, whatever, whatever, whatever we want to call it. At least for me, that's what I'm going to try to call it. Um, you know, and so, yeah, a lot of our, a lot of my clients or the individuals I kind of see are still telehealth. So a lot of them are 50% telehealth and some of them come in, which is really nice. I like, you know, when I can kind of see, um, uh, I think I had three live people that came in yesterday, which was really a nice break from the screen. Um, but a lot of people really just kind of, you know, it's, it's convenient for them or they're working and they have a break, they can see me, um, you know, the kids too, like we've adapted, right? So like the other day we had a snow day, which was nothing like the snow days we used to have, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, the schools were able to say like, Hey, everybody can do telehealth, right? They didn't miss school. So, you know, we're still kind of utilizing the telehealth. Um, and so it's kind of like we've integrated telehealth mm. and you know norm you know normal back face-to-face kind of stuff so it's kind of like we're moving through it yeah. um and then it seems like right when we were trying to get our footing with with the whole pandemic mm-hmm. you know i don't know if you heard of our the you know the wildfire that we got back in um april um, oh yeah I actually drove through when it was happening yeah, so we really got hit with another, you know, tra- tragedy for our community and, and the people of northern New Mexico, you know, so mm-hmm. it burned, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of acres, and it was, it's the largest wildfire in New Mexico. And so, you know, recovering from COVID and now, you know, you know, people being displaced and losing their homes um, was another kind of, you know, huge loss and adjustment and grief, you know, and so we also kind of took a hit from that fire too. So we're, you know, you know, just trying to move through it and trying to support one another. And, um, you know, the people of Northern New Mexico are really resilient and, you know, people come together, people come together to help each other. So thankfully, you know, we're working through it. Uh, how did that fire impact you? Yeah, so we had a really, you know, special place up in Tierra Monte, which mm-hmm. um, we had a cabin, beautiful trees, and um, we lost probably about 95% of our trees and oh, no. the, the barn and the, the whole everything burnt down. It was like the hottest part of the fire that kind of ripped through this canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, it was a 100% loss for us. Mm. yeah so we're we're recovering we spent a lot of summers up there and just had a lot of fun you know perky in fact um one time we had like a little family get together and she's you know she's super creative she like did a little um 
scavenger hunt for oh. all our family members. So we were yeah. picking up pine cones and rocks that look like hearts. And like, it was so cool. She did a really good job. But those are memories that I'll always like have with me, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Felicia, so it sounds like the work that you do is very, very fascinating. Can you talk to us about your work and what is it that you do? So I guess, I guess in a nutshell, um, the like the clinical, the label part, right? I'm a, a licensed clinical social worker and I provide the psychotherapy services and address a whole list of mental health um, needs. And I think better way of saying that is, you know, I really just hold space for people to mm. figure themselves out. And so somebody can come to me with anxiety. And usually it's a blend of different things. It's not just anxiety or depression mm. or PTSD or grief and loss. There's like just a blend, blend of things. And there's always like this underlying current that I try to capture and I try to just hold space for it, right? And help them explore their inner landscape, mm -hmm. their inner worlds in a place that's safe and non-judgmental. And for some people, like this is like the first time that they may have ever experienced that before. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and, and you're with them in it, in the thick of it, in the in the trenches, you know, in their heartbreaks and their sorrows and their grief, in their joys and their excitement, the exciting parts of their life, you know, in their, mm -hmm. you know, in their own curiosity. So for me, it's just a space for them to get to know. I'm their mirror. I'm their their their, you know, that safe. Hopefully, that safe space for them. Yeah. So. I I honestly believe that there, and just us talking in the pre-show, you felt very much like a, a a space to be around and to a space to be able to, uh, you, what I'm trying to say is that you've created a very safe environment to share very, uh, very, um, I will call them vulnerabilities, very, very raw vulnerabilities. Uh, and I get the sense from you that you just open that space up for people and that it it's safe to share those things. Oh, I, I appreciate that, you know, because... You know, and I'm always having that open dialogue with people too. Like, you know, hey, if I'm not a good fit, like I totally get it. And let's get you over to somebody that you feel a good fit with because that's super important, right? Because if they don't feel safe with me, they're not gonna open up. They're mm -hmm. not gonna, we're not gonna be addressing the things that we need to be addressing, right? Right. So I really try to help clients. I know this is kind of a long-winded, like, answer. <laughs> to your question you're like, you're like three hours later right <laughs> if it's a three-hour podcast it's a three-hour podcast <laughs> right you're like uh part two for felicia rivera no, I'm kidding. Um, but anyways like so i really just try to help people connect the dots and mm. um you know because a lot of times we're so unconscious oh yeah and i'm not yeah, saying yeah. that in a bad way it's just like we're like walking robots, right? Conditioned robots that we don't even know why we're doing the things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so to really help people make sense of, you know, the things that are happening in their life and then connect it back. Cause mm. there's always typically a string that yeah. leads it back to an earlier wound. And we're still kind of acting out sometimes in those like adaptive skills that we learned when we were 
eight, you know, mm -hmm. and then we're playing it out like in present day. And so to help them connect that and give them power and help them organize that and give them meaning to that, it's really powerful because Absolutely. now they don't have to be eight and, and, and get small and not have a voice, you know, mm -hmm. because dad came home drunk and that's what they learned that they had to do. And, and they're still acting that out with their husband, right? And so that, mm -hmm. they, that they can have a voice and that they can be assertive and have boundaries and honor themselves in a way that maybe they haven't had the opportunity or they didn't have the, 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 the language to do so or the skills or the resources to do that. You know, and when we're unconscious, we don't know our way. We don't know that that's what's happening, right? Right. And so to help them kind of synthesize like what we talk about and make sense of it and organize it and then, you know, give them resources and, and, and empower them to make, to, you know, if they want to make choices, they don't have to. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I hope, I hope that kind of, that's kind of yeah, that, that, in a nutshell kind of what I do. Right on. I appreciate that. Um, is therapy something you were always interested in? It just sounds like the way you talk about counseling and therapy, it just sounds something that you were like always fascinated with. Not at all. I, I don't think like, again, I was like, you know, you know, just because I talk about these things like, oh, you know, we're so unconscious, blah, blah, blah. Well, I am super unconscious sometimes too. You know, I still am. And, you know, I don't think I was thinking about therapy, you know, when I was coming out of school, it was just kind of like, I think my profession picked me ah. because of my adaptive skills. And now, of course, I understand why and I'm aware and I use my skills in a way that that not 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 over people, but to empower people. Right. It's not like mm -hmm. I'm trying to rescue people because that's not right. my job. But maybe, you know, my adaptive skills growing up may have been some of that, you know, is, you know, being responsible, holding it together. Um, so I think in, in some ways, my profession picked me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and that, you know, that's pretty, a pretty big question. Absolutely. Uh, what was what's the most challenging thing about your work? Yeah, so I think like every day is a challenge, right? I don't know what I'm what I'm getting and I don't like really prepare because like I need to like, you know, kind of feel out what's going on. Um, but everybody is at a different level of awareness and they mm -hmm. have different experiences and they have different challenges. And I think that's what's challenging, right? And then sometimes we get stuck. So it's kind of like, well, a lot of times we get stuck. So, mm -hmm. you know, just always like learning and um, it, it, psychotherapy is, the field is so huge and mm. unlimited. I'm a lifelong learner, I'll tell you that. So mm -hmm. I love learning and I love growing. And so um, that's the most challenging thing I think is being in a space where you can like be with somebody and also like when you get stuck, continue to, to do your own professional development and not mm -hmm. feel like, oh, my God, you know, you have to know everything because you don't, you know, and, um, you know, it's just kind of this dance that you kind of do. So just, yeah. So this is the part of the podcast, Felicia, where we're going to rewind the clock a bit because we're going to talk about you as a kid. Um, can you talk about your childhood and what was that like for you? 
Yeah, so that's a really like big question, right? Because you know, so much of my childhood has shaped who I've who I've become today. You know, and and I think you know all our past experiences really kind of um, shape. Well, maybe speaking for myself has shaped me, mm-hmm. and so. You know, historically, I come from two very, very large families, like on my dad's side, I think there was 10 siblings. And on my mom's side, there was like 10 siblings. And so, you know, they come from, you know, their own histories of generational trauma, and then they struggled financially, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, they themselves are very um, proud individuals they're a generation of survivors um they they want to they want a better life too right and they work hard people that work hard people who are very proud um they're innovative my dad was such an innovative person like he would like you know he's not like an a licensed electrician or a uh carpenter but boy he could whip out some skills right like he mm-hmm. figured out how to how to do those things and just um being super resilient so you know and despite their best intentions right they of course encounter had so many like pressures you know growing up in poverty that automatically kind of come with that right so you know of course as one can assume poverty kind of is correlated with a lot of different um things Mm -hmm. you know you know higher stress levels substance abuse domestic violence and unemployment Mm-hmm. instability maybe housing instability you know physical health you know they're they're not they're not taking care of themselves sometimes they're not taking care of themselves because right. they have like 10 kids to take care of right right um you know poor emotional functioning and mental health mm. issues you know there's just so many layers there mm-hmm. and of course like my family with poverty you know d- didn't get the exception right like they didn't get the, the get out of jail free card right Right, right. You know, they they experienced a lot of those things. And so, uh, and of course, education was not a priority, Mm. right? So what is priority when you're trying to survive? Yeah. Right? Food, shelter, basic needs. Absolutely. The most basic stuff that you can get to, to survive. Right. And, and just kind of making it from day to day. So that's, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm trying to get, take, like, get a snap, give you a snapshot of what my understanding. Of course, mm-hmm. I wasn't living in, in that generation, but an under, like a synthesis of what kind of a snapshot of what was happening and kind of to understand my own, like, part in it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my mom was 17 when 16, when she got pregnant, 17, when she had me, you know, my, my parents were both, you know, they dropped out of school in ninth grade. My dad had to work to help support the family, you know? And so I, you know, became, I was conditioned, you know, my early wiring was to be over or overly responsible, but I was overwhelmed and, but I was programmed to succeed is how I, how I, you know, want to reframe that you know mm-hmm. you know i and i took care of my little sister she's so funny you know mm-hmm. and and i was do you re- i don't know if you remember you're from texaco right uh from uh, clovis oh from clovis so from, okay from, yeah nearby okay so i was gonna say do you remember this we, we used to live on this little house like called well, kindred street 
they're in mm. Texaco, right by it's a couple blocks from the school, right? And so, you know, can you imagine a little fifth grader like taking care of my sister six years younger than me? So, you know, my mom was working, my dad was in and out of the house, he had his own struggles and challenges. Mm. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I, I'm the one that was like providing structure and discipline when I needed to, like whatever right, yeah. I whatever I thought that meant, right? right? So it was like, okay. And then me and my sister, it was funny because we would like, um, you know, we'd make a menu for my mom and we would like have many sandwiches Aww. on the menu. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So anyways, it's kind of touching to me to think about Absolutely. that. Uh, so you're talking about Perky. You So I, at the pre-show of the podcast, I shared with you, she, we went to the same Upper Bound program. She became a great friend. She's an awesome friend. Uh, but your sister, like, I, I, it blew my mind when she told me, oh, yeah, I have a sister. I didn't know that about her. Um, so what was that like growing up with a sister like Perky? Yeah, I was like her second mama. You know, but yeah, so she, yeah, so she is, she's, she, you know what, my sister is freaking amazing, you know, as you know. She is amazing. She is talented beyond, you know, she's, she's, she can play piano. I mean, she can play guitar. She can draw. She can, she's funny as all heck. Mm -hmm. um, she's super intelligent. And um, so, and, and she's just like the life of any party, right? So she, anybody that like it that. wants to be around <laughs> her, because she's so funny, right? Mm -hmm. And um, but you know, she she you know she was a child, you know, and and me and her had a lot of like you know, of course, our roles were a little bit um, kind of placed in a kind of a parenting role, probably probably before I needed to be in that role, but. Mm. Um, you know, but she was very like, obviously her nickname, right? Perky says it all. Yeah. 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 She was very curious. She got into a lot of things. And, um, so I have to tell you a story whenever she, one day we were at the house and I was taking care of her and she got toothpaste all over our TV. Like she, oh my gosh, well, no, I didn't know she had, <laughs> although it was just me and her in the house. Right. So I was uh -huh. like, okay who put toothpaste all over the TV, right? So I'm trying to like, me and her are the only ones there. So obviously it's her, right? Uh -huh. So I kind of go to her and I say, Perky, did you put toothpaste on the TV? And she's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, the audacity. I know, I was like, Perky. So I asked her again, did you put this toothpaste on the TV? And she said, no. And I said, Perky Hita this is beautiful so i guess that's where my my psychology came in right away right Reverse oh yeah, psychology. yeah 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 i was like this is so beautiful oh my god like this is amazing mm -hmm. did you put the did you put the toothpaste on the tv this is like gorgeous creative stuff right and she's like yeah it was me <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like oh god so then yeah i probably smacked her or something you know as kids we don't know how to handle whatever so yeah. anyways, but she was always Aww. like yeah so she's so cute but you know and she was she was she was tougher than me so my mom would leave us in the car sometimes and by the time we got back like she went in to grab something from the store mm. and we had a little quarrel or something but boy i would be the one crying 
she'd she'd, uh-huh. she'd handle me she'd handle me many a time so anyways <laughs> i'm just super proud of like the woman that she's become she's just really a remarkable person she is a very very awesome person i'll share this briefly with you uh so about, right before COVID hit uh my my youngest son had to have heart surgery and uh you know he's he's great now he's doing awesome he's he's thriving and doing amazing uh but uh i remember being in a very very like isolated spot where it was just i was at the hospital basically 24 7 looking after my youngest and perky just out of her the kindness of her heart and uh the friendship that we've developed she would come up and she was like hey what do you need like i was like well i haven't taken a shower in like four days and she's like i got you she got me shampoo i remember armpit deodorant she's like gotta take care of yourself you got to and and i remember uh her being able to give me a ride back to uh fort collins she is just amazing 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 human being so the role that you played in raising her she is i, I attribute that to you too because she she's just a phenomenal human being that's very touching but uh so the name Perky, you say she got that because she's very, uh, very curious. Was there, um, w- did the family know her by that as well? Uh, or was she just Lydia? Well, actually, no, she is not known by Lydia. So whenever people call her Lydia, we're like, who? <laughs> yeah, like who? You know what I mean? And so, yeah. no, she's, she would get into things, right? And I think, you know, we label things like, well, you know, w- I know now that that's curiosity back Uh then we would call it you know being really mischievous or getting into things or you know she was just um yeah no she's known as perky and my grandma on my uh paternal my maternal no my paternal grandma she would call her perky or uh ramoncito which is my dad like she she carried a lot of the characteristics of my dad oh wow yeah and um she'd call her perky tornerito which is (laughs) tornado right so she just get it so you think of a tornado like just going through a house or whatever uh-huh. i don't think it was that bad but th- those those were kind of yeah everybody knows her as perky even to this day we call her anti perky right awesome so, so now getting back to you talk to us about your experience in elementary school and do you remember if you liked it again it's like we so i think like my memories if i think of just like i know i try to like go off on tangents but i think just like school in general with the, the things i remember is like getting new crayons and getting clothes like you know you know whatever my family could afford and graham mm-hmm. crackers and milk and mm-hmm. but we moved around so much so i don't really like i have a few snapshots of those memories remember it's been 25 years i think yeah. since wow since I graduated from high school. So wow. elementary would be like further yeah. back, further back. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just you know, I guess uh, just my new stuff. Yeah. Uh did uh, academics always interest you? I think I got reinforced, and I think the reinforcement, the positive reinforcement that I got along the way, whether it was like, you know getting a hundred and you get one of those like little grape stickers that you scratch and you're like all excited, right? Like it reinforces you to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think academics came a little easier maybe mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me. Sometimes I, I definitely had to work at it, but, um, that was something I could channel myself into. And, um, so, and my grandpa would always call me 
Felicia, Felicia brains. Aww. So that always kind of stays with me. But yeah, I, I, well, I'm a lifelong learner. So I guess I, that fits, I guess. Yeah. I guess uh, that's was interesting the, to me. Yeah, it's absolutely. Uh, was there any point in elementary that you had a mentor or a teacher that stood out to you? Yeah. I, I know that that might be challenging our memory, but putting that question out there. Again, I, it's like one of those things that I just can't like pull up a file. Um, but I think like I had one experience that I remember um, with, I think when I was in Portales, I think I, um, cause I went to elementary school in Portales, Portales and um, for a, a year, I think. And um, I got an, I got a little card in the mail and then it mm. was like from my little kindergarten teacher, I think. And it was just like, you know, just a little encouraging card. I would probably be lying if I start trying to make up something, right? <laughs> start making up a big old story, right? But yeah, just a little encouraging memory, like a little encouraging yeah. note saying, hey, looking forward to seeing you. Again, I'm mm -hmm. probably making this up in my memory, but no, I did get the card. <laughs> you do I remember the card. I do remember the card and I remember it stayed with me. So, and that right just on. made me feel really good about starting school. Right on. Um, do you remember anything about middle school? Yeah, again, you know, we're, we're, I'm still moving around a lot and, you know, my parents kind of had this kind of relationship where, you know, there was a lot of instability. Um, but, you know, I learned to be really adaptable and I kind of, you did well with my academics. I got involved in school. I made friends and I participated in sports. So it was mm -hmm. like, you know, even though there was a lot going on um, at home that I still managed to like school was, was something that I really stayed interested in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was at this point of your schooling, was uh, there any subjects or topics that you really gravitated toward? Nope. Not at all. No? <laughs> yeah, no, nothing was like, okay, oh my God, this is, this is like my thing. No, I was just like getting through, you know, getting through. Yeah. Nothing in uh, so, particular. Yeah. So then curiously, how did you spend your summers with your family? I know I keep saying this, but yeah, we, so we, since we moved around so much, it just depended on where we were in the summers, but like some of my fondest memories are, um, you know, with my family in Texas, we would have these big, um, huge family, of course. And my tío would always, and my tía would always have these like matancias, right? They would have, mm -hmm. you know, big comidas, asado and frijoles and red chili. And um, so it was like a big family thing on the weekends. Like everybody mm -hmm. would get together, the comadres and the compadres and Oh, yeah, um, yeah, the, yeah. the neighbors and you know all the friends and so the kids would be running around you'd have like the the tejano music playing in the background and mm -hmm. you know they'd be having their cervezas and so it was just a warm like a lot of warm memories with that because mm -hmm. it was just constant like you know the the women would be cutting up meat and the men would be there doing whatever you know and mm -hmm. so it was just a lot of like cool memories. And then like on my other side of the family, which is again, a huge family, we would, you know, spend our time at my grandma's who was like the, 
you know, the, the rock of the family and mm -hmm. everybody would sit around her and, and drink their coffee, right? That was like a thing every time in the evenings, all my tias would come, and there was a lot of them, right? So we'd have a full house where everybody would be sitting around platicando and having their cafecito and, um, you know, and people would get so loud because you'd have like multiple conversations going on at one time. Mm -hmm. And so like I had some tias that, you know, if they couldn't, you know, they would be talking over other ones and it would get like louder and louder and louder. <laughs> so just a lot of fun, like fun, fun times, you know, just with family. Right on. Okay. So now I know that uh, elementary and middle school were kind of like, I'll say it, dead questions, because it, no, nobody really remembers those, right? Right. But what about right. high school? Does does anything in high school, do you remember if you felt excited or if you felt like you were looking forward to it? Uh, what do you remember about high school? I, I, I So I remember, you know, just going to school, maybe um, maybe you, you start having romantic relationships mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, of course, I was still playing sports. Um, I worked a lot. Um, I, I don't, I didn't have like that, like, oh my God, what am I going to do in the future type thing yet? You know, it was just kind of like getting through, you know, getting through. I, I don't, Yeah. you know, again, I, I attended several high schools too. Okay. So attending several high schools, did you find any moment to engage somehow uh, with your peers uh, or to lead activities or uh, be in extracurricular activities? Yeah, so I, you know, um, I used to teach catechism with my my Theo Jim, mm. and so that was kind of a fun um, role that I played with younger, you know, younger individuals. And um, of course, I played volleyball and I did track. I did shot put and discus. Uh, was not a runner, or maybe I did try running. I wasn't very good at it, but. Um, in softball, I played, I mean, in Texas, I played softball, mm -hmm. um, you know, and in my senior year, I was a secretary of my senior class. Oh, that's, that's good. And I was inducted to the National Honor Society. So, right on. And, and then I, and then I worked. So it was kind of like a blend of, you know, weaving in and out of all this stuff. So those are kind what of the some main things that can pop out. All right. Uh, what did you work in uh, while in high school or what uh, What was your work? I worked at the, I think the the nearby, I worked at Dairy Queen and then oh, I right worked on. at like, yeah, I did a lot of fast food stuff. So yeah, yeah. for sure. Right on. Which, which uh, taught me a lot of foundational skills, right? Of being right. on time and customer service and whatever else that you learn from working, you know? Awesome. Um, how did you discover or how did you find out about the Trio Up or Down program? Yeah, so I had this um, counselor, his name was Mr. Segura, mm -hmm. and I just remember him calling calling me into the office one day mm -hmm. and talking to me about Upper Bound. Again, it's like one of those memories I don't have. Like, I just remember sitting in his office and just mm -hmm. he was telling me about it, and that's probably all of the memory that I have of that, that incident. But yeah, he was the one that kind of introduced me and kind of told me that that he thought I would really do well with that. Right on. I do remember, um, and I'll share this uh, brief story with you. Uh, Upward Bound's early recruiting methods would typically scare. It scared me <laughs> um, because the director that recruited you was the same director that recruited me, I think, uh, Doris and I. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you Doris. remember Doris. So yeah, I do. Uh, I remember getting a blue slip. 
I was in science class and it said, go, it, you have, it didn't say counselor's office, didn't say, it just said, go to the library. And I'm like, oh my God, this, to me, it sounded like a big meeting because if it's the library, you know, it's, it's like they're reserved. You know, conference. you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember getting up there and, uh, once uh once i just realized like hey my parents name is not is not on the slip so i must be okay and then i saw doris and i just standing there ready to talk to me about the overbound program so i really didn't have a counselor but it's, it's so so good that a counselor took that proactive step with you and said you know what you would thrive in the upward bound program yeah he was really like an infant an influ- influential person that's the coffee getting to me <laughs> <laughs> he really it's not was. folders is it it's not, I don't think my husband kind of did a switcheroo this morning, but yeah, <laughs> no, I think it's, he just, he doesn't really, I guess, understand the impact mm. with that conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, so now you're in the upper bound program. Uh, we're, and before I get into this next question, my, my question to you is like, it, so was it something that interested you? Was it something that you really wanted to engage with, with, with uh, upper bound? You know, it's like a new thing. So you don't really like know what you're getting into. Um, So um, once I started, um, you know, getting involved and attending the, I guess, the Saturday meetings, you know, it's just like really cool. Like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Like, um, and, and of course, you know, they give us like those little stipends. I don't know if they give you, I don't know. Did they give you oh, yeah, stipends they, too? Yeah, they gave us stipends. <laughs> so I was like, shoot, if I could come to a meeting and get paid, boy, yes. sign me up. So I was like, okay, so that was like a really big incentive, right? So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have to spend like four hours working at Burger King. You know, I could come to a meeting and have fun and get snacks and do all that and stuff. Get but and get paid, right? To learn. And so, yeah, I just made some really like awesome friends, like lifelong friends mm-hmm. in Upward Bound. So it was really, really cool. Yeah, um, talk, to, talk to us about those connections that you made. Uh, how Are those connections still in your life today? Um, how, what, what have you learned from them? And what do you do with your family to foster the same connections? Yeah, so it's just amazing, like how, like having a reference point, like having like somebody to say, hey, education is super important and walk you through the walk you help you walk through the system right and give you that support like you know how to do it Mm -hmm. for for you know your own family so my longtime friend erica who is an also an upward bound alum um she's dr garcia now i'm super dr garcia dr garcia yeah so she she actually has a practice out of clovis and she's uh-huh. a general medical physician there. And so we we have been lifelong friends. And we recently took our girls to New York City together back in oh, October. Wow. Yeah, back yeah. in October. And we had such an amazing time. We, you know, my daughter for my daughter, this was a first for her. So she didn't know how to like get on an airplane. So, you know, I was one and that was the whole purpose. It wasn't like, hey, let's go to New York. There was like a lot of intention behind the trip. Like mm-hmm get on a plane, let's like figure out how to get on a subway. Like, I mean, I had done those things. Mm-hmm. Um, let's figure out how to get a Uber. Let's find directions. Let's let's like um, eat at new places that maybe we don't like it. Maybe we're eating octopus or whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we're gonna try it, right? Like some first for them. And so Erica and I both shared like a really nice time together and um, another connection just because of, 
upward bound. Yeah, that's that's yeah. wonderful. Do you remember who your mentors or RAs or your support staff was at the Tree Upward Bound program? I know we mentioned Doris, Doris. and I, so we, a huge shout out to Doris. Yeah, Doris was amazing. She's, um, I just remember her always like smiling and just being really super friendly and safe, right? Mm-hmm. And I think some of the other people, I know Dominic Garcia. So Dominic eventually married Erica. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, so they kind of connected later on, right? Mm-hmm. So Dominic was one and Susan Cramp. And Susan Jorge, is still out at ENMU. Is she there? Yeah, awesome. she's, she, yeah. So she, I think she was like, um higher than the RA. I'm not sure what that what that was, what that title was. Uh, I remember she was like a coordinator position or some sort of position, but she mm-hmm. eventually became director. Uh this was a, a year after I graduated or two years after I graduated, okay. Doris had stepped down and Susan took over. Oh, awesome. And then Jorge Juan Tiveros was a he was a peer. Mm-hmm. Um he was a one of my peers, but he was an RA too. So he kind of shared a dual kind of role and Leticia and I can't remember her last name, but she was amazing. She had super long hair. Mm. Um, she was super amazing and kind. And I just, you know, you know, the, the people that are kind, you just kind of always carry them with you. You Absolutely. just remember how they treated you. Absolutely. Um, one thing I know we were talking about this uh, during the Saturday meetings, and it's a whole discussion with the trio community about upward bound Saturday meetings and their, how, how they're calling them Saturday enrichments. What's your take on these Saturday meetings and what was something that you uh, learned from? Again, it's like I, I just remember and I think if you think about it, like I'm zooming out and I'm like thinking about like, OK, I don't remember anything I learned or anything, you know, particularly that stands out other than the snacks and the stipend. Mm-hmm. But I think something like underneath was kind of swarming, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a good like stew. Yeah. Kind of takes time to kind of um, simmer and you put the mm-hmm. carrots in and you put the carne in. And I think that's what was happening. And I think that's, at least for me, that's the like the hardiness of what was taking place, like mm-hmm. social safe relationships encouragement economic support what else uh, autonomy right because mm-hmm. you're, you're oh, leaving yeah. your house mm-hmm. um so i think like zooming out like in the moments you're not like i'm not like consciously thinking about that as a 18 17 year old mm-hmm. but today that's how i organize it yeah so did you get to participate in the summer program so the summer program, I only got to participate that until like I graduated high school. So I didn't get to do the previous ones because I think I was like late or did I? Yeah, I think I'm not even sure. I can't even remember, honestly. But anyways, I did get to yeah. to, to do one summer program, at least in my memory. Yeah. Um, and so it was a really awesome experience right you get you get to be away from home you get to have some sense of you know real autonomy you know Mm -hmm. decorate your room however you want or you know meet new people get out walk to the 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 local i think they had a dairy queen just you and your buddies and um Mm -hmm. you know just feeling like really grown up i think yeah Uh, yeah and making meeting meeting new people 
Absolutely. Awesome. I think out of all the experiences that you, uh, you've you had uh, with the Upward Bound program, was there any favorite memory that stands out for you? Anything that you that really sticks out in your mind? Yeah, it's really, it's really like hard to kind of pinpoint one, but because there were so many, but, um, you know, I, um, we had this talent show. And I just remember that me and Jackie Sanchez, we won the talent show. Oh, no way. She was she was alfalfa and i was darla <laughs> did you all have so like a we, skit yeah we had this little skit and she likes like did her hair all kind of crazy funky with her hair sticking up and i just wear this cute little dress and we just had this little back and forth kind of skit and we just had so much fun you know and, and it you know it was kind of of course for me intimidating because i've been such a shy person mm-hmm. um to get up in front of people and do this and so we rocked it we won and um i'll always have that in my memory yeah um she was such an awesome person jackie is is also another person that i really am fond of right on i i had jackie on the podcast not too long ago i think it was eight months ago that she was on the podcast oh wow how cool in fact she just took her um her she i guess she does this like I'm not sure if I'm going to get this correct, like a floating canto, like where there are a lot of dancers. And I think so. Yeah. And so she just recently took them to the legislature. Yes. State of the state. Yeah. So it was like really cool to see her thriving and also sharing a bit of her culture with her students. And that's something that we really need to continue to to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for you, when senior year rolled around, uh, I want to ask questions surrounding college. Was college something that you talked about with family? Was college something that you talked about consistently with upper bound staff? Yeah. T- talk to us a little bit about your, your process about thinking about college. Yeah, I think it was, you know, it started to kind of formulate, Hey, this is real. And so, you know, I think in upward bound, you're kind of constantly having those conversations. So you're kind of like mm-hmm. getting geared towards that transition. Right on. Um, did you remember if you decided you wanted to commit to a college or were there multiple colleges that were in consideration for you? Um, no, I don't. I don't. Again, I don't remember how all that worked out. Um, but somehow I picked New Mexico Highlands University. So I don't remember like exploring any other options. I think maybe there was um, something I liked about Highlands and I said, OK, this is this is the one for me. And okay. I kind of just stuck with it. Yeah. I think every New Mexico school, and, and I can say that I've been to most of the New Mexico schools uh, just visiting. Uh, New Mexico Highlands is very unique in that it has a very um, a very cl- close-knit community, and it's a very much a very small college town. Uh, what drew you to New Mexico Highlands? Um, I, you know, if you've ever been here... Um, it's a very beautiful place, especially coming from Texaco, not, not to hate on it, but, you know, Texaco is very flat and, you know, you can smell the uh, matancias <laughs> if you get a, <laughs> if you get it on a certain day, right? Yeah, right, and so right. when you only, ha- and then I was in Texas, so it was very flat, dry. And so Highlands is, um, it's a really beautiful campus and there's trees and there's rivers and lakes and just the environment the the landscaping is really beautiful here and i was drawn to that for some reason i mean it wasn't anything to do with academics i don't think but um a lot of minorities here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so i don't know i think but the main thing i think was um 
it was just I like I loved the environment. It just felt like wonderful. Right. Talk to us about your final summer before entering college. So uh, right before you entered college, there was high school graduation, uh, all of that. Talk to us about that moment for you. Um, you know, it, it, it was, I, I can't remember exactly. It was just a lot of fun, right? Mm -hmm. It was just a lot of fun. We, I actually got to attend a couple of courses at NMU. Um, which just kind of got my feet wet for my first college courses. Mm -hmm. And so that was like really cool to kind of like be in a safe place already, something familiar, but mm -hmm. also like integrating something new, right? Because we did have summer classes. Um, I know that I'm remembering, I must have gone through a summer class because we had a lot yeah. of little summer classes, right? And so we had already kind of knew what to expect. So that was... Um, but this was like for the real deal, right? You were getting a grade for it. And, right, right, right. Right? So it like took it to a whole new level. But um, social gather gatherings, they took us to a nice trip in Denver, I believe. And so that was that was a lot of fun. Just just a lot of support, a lot of fun, a lot of new things um, that summer. Right on. Uh, talk to us about the moment that you set foot uh, at the college campus at New Mexico Highlands. What was that experience like for you? You know, since it, you know, of course it's new, so it's of course a little bit nerve wracking, but I think, you know, with my prior experiences with, with Upward Bound made it much easier, much easier. Yeah, it's a new place and a new campus, but I can, you know, I could maneuver through, you knew where, you know, you knew what the names were, admissions and registrars, you knew the things, the, the things or the people that you could go to to get help. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and then you're already exposed socially, you already kind of, had that familiarity with upward bound so right and i had a super cool roommate she was she was awesome her name was laura boots and she was a really welcoming roommate so that made things a lot easier she played basketball for highlands and so that's awesome. a lot of fun a lot of fun right on how did your first semester go um it's so again it gets been so long ago i just you know did well academically kind of did what i normally do right did a mm. did well academically i worked um, got involved in some, you know, different clubs and organization mm -hmm. and, you know, went to the hot springs, went on some camping trips and, um, so it was good. I was, I acclimated pretty well, pretty quickly. Right Did you know what you wanted to major in once you set foot to NMHU? Um, I didn't. So I ended up kind of, you know, I think you can kind of, um, for me, it was like business. I thought it was going to be business. And then I come, you take some classes. You're like, oh, that's not really, I'm not really feeling it. Mm -hmm. And then I took some education classes. Uh, didn't really feel it. And then I finally took a psychology class that says, ah, this is interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So then that's when I changed my my major. And I ended up, you know, getting a BA in psychology. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Right so is that kind of the origin story of you getting into psychology, counseling, therapy? Yeah, I don't know what it was, but it was just like intriguing and curi curious. I was pretty curious about it, like the human behavior and what makes people do the things that they do. And <clears throat> I also worked in the um, psychobiology lab. Mm -hmm. So um, we did, we euthanized rats. Whoa. And so, yeah, we did a lot of studies on, on rats and, mm -hmm. um, you know, just alcohol, fe fetal alcohol syndrome. And, but yeah, I got the honor of, 
the honor, not so honor of euthanizing rats after the experiment. And I would also mm -hmm. have to train them when they, when they came in because they were pretty wild. So I got a few bites. Oh my gosh. You know? Yeah. So, so that was kind of just an intriguing, like I enjoyed that. Did you join any academic or social programs uh, or clubs while in college? I, I got involved right away with the Newman Center, which is a, like an on-campus um, group for Catholic students. And um, I also was in Psychi, which is an honor society for psychology majors. And, and I also was a student ambassador. So I don't know, we did various kind of activities on campus and showed up in different ways on campus. Right so on. I had a little social support and, you know. You, you had said uh, earlier in the podcast that the, the career, you didn't choose it, but it chose you. I'm curious, uh, what was the moment, your watershed moment for you for uh, entering the psychology field and entering counseling? Um, I, 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 think, I think I heard it somewhere. I think actually I had a colleague that made that statement one day to me and i was like i took it in and i was like oh my god he's right he didn't say that to me he said that for himself mm -hmm. and i just really took a minute to sit with that statement and i just said oh my god he is so right so my my job was to do my own healing mm. so that's when it opened up to my own you know my own, I had to look at my own stuff mm -hmm. because sometimes when we're doing unconscious things, we kind of uh, do things because they're adaptive and, and we're not doing them for the right reasons. Yeah. And so when you kind of stop and take that, that message in, it really Absolutely. helped me to kind of switch things around. So anyways, I, that's pretty big. No, big, I, I, no mm -hmm. I enjoyed that you, you shared that because uh, this next question, it, it's a beautiful segue into the next question because uh when you would do that self healing and do a lot of self reflection, um, if you if you could share a piece of advice for any student thinking about going into counseling or thinking about pet therapy uh, to to help people, what's some advice that you would share with these uh, folks, these aspiring therapists, uh, and what advice would you give? So, what I would impart with anybody that is thinking about working with anybody else is to be curious about your own internal landscape. And if you feel like you need to do some personal work, you know, do it. And it doesn't have to be with a therapist. It could be, there's multiple ways you can get that done. Mm -hmm. But the way I say we can only meet another person where we've met ourselves. And so I just strongly like recommend um, to, to kind of just be curious about your own internal lamps. If you don't know what that, what that feels like or looks like, then maybe, hey, maybe today is the first day, like, oh my God, I, I have an internal landscape, you know? Um, so many of the programs, especially PhD programs, requires those kind of personal development, especially if you're gonna be doing, you know, therapy with, with other people because it's such a huge responsibility. There's a huge responsibility that you're taking Absolutely. on in, in another person's life. And if you're not conscious of your own personal roadblocks, it can really interfere with treatment, you know? So 
you know, again, I'm just going to reiterate, we can only meet our clients as far as we met ourselves. Mm, wonderfully said. How quickly, how quickly did you enter your field of practice? Was there a transition period for you? Are we going on three hours already, Juan? This is hour number one. <laughs> I, I am, I'm honestly like, we, I can't believe we've already done one hour. That, it just feels like a, a flowing conversation. Oh, goodness. I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. So oh, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no worries. Uh, how quickly did you enter your field of practice? And was there a transition period for you? <laughs> So yeah, I, I again, I was uh, I graduated in 2001 um, with psychology degree, and I went to work for child support. And then I had a son, and of course, like as life unfolds for you, right? Life doesn't happen to us; it happens for us, right? And so right, I had right. my son, and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I need to, you know, you just like are in so in love with this child, and and maybe i need to stay home with him right so then i was mm. like okay well i'm gonna go back to school and i'm gonna start like getting my because you know you could get your licensure certificate if you know if you have a bachelor's you can just take a few classes and get your teaching certificate so like that's what i'm gonna do now okay. i went to i went to go do like student um since I, w I couldn't be a teacher i was a student aide and um I really feel for teachers because it's really a challenging. Um, I was in a special education classroom, so the teacher had to have every different type of lesson for each child. And so she taught Kate or first through fifth. So each child had their own lesson plan. And so each child was learning something very different. So it was just a lot. I just feel for teachers that, um, you know, they have to juggle so much. But anyway, so that didn't work out. Uh, I transitioned, I went to work at, um, I finally went to go work at, um, okay, my, I think my husband started his own business. So we needed a little bit more like financial security because we just weren't cutting it on a teacher's aid um, salary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was gonna go on his own business. So, you know, I said like, hey, I can, I can do this. And so we kind of made it work. And I started working out patient mental health at um, our local clinic here. And I mm -hmm. found that there was very limited I could do with my BA in psychology. Like I wanted to do more, like, you know, I wanted to help in different ways. And that's when I kind of realized like, hey, I need to get, I need to continue my my education. And mm -hmm. so I, I did that, you know, I, I worked full time and I did my master's part time. I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter. And I, I graduated in 2009. In fact, I was pregnant with my daughter whenever uh, I graduated. Not, not. I, I think I'd already had her in 2009. Yeah, I did. But anyways, she was with me. So hopefully she right. was like taking some stuff <laughs> in, in yeah. the womb, you know? And so then I yeah. worked for, then I worked for um, the state hospital and the forensics division. So which is mm -hmm. a really, really interesting place to work. And I also worked in the sex offender um, unit. So, oh, wow. yeah, so pretty, some pretty intense kind of um, places to kind of start off and get your feet wet with. I would say so, yeah. Heck yeah. So, yeah. So that's what we, that's what, I, that's how I kind of transitioned into, into the work that I do. Wow. Amazing. Um, with all that being said, do you have any words of wisdom to impart on TRIO students who are currently students or uh, either in college, high school, um, um, not elementary, middle school, or, <laughs> uh, you know, pursuing their PhD. Uh, do you have any words of wisdom for them? Um, so, you know, 
if by if anything that I have said to you today kind of resonates in you or kind of encourages you in some way and if and some of the other stuff doesn't just shred it but just remember you can do anything that you set your mind to mm -hmm. even if you're coming from a, an environment of adversity or challenges you can do it and you know maybe you come from a background where challenge you know finances were challenging or your parents had to work or you had to work to ease the financial strain in the home and you're like i'm never going to go to college because this is you know this is the only way i know mm -hmm. um you can do it and if it's something that you're even thinking about i really just strongly recommend you to just talk to somebody and just you know, ask questions. Um, there are people there to support you to stick with it. You know, uh, it may not be for everybody, but you know, it worked. It worked for me. Is there anything you would like to say that a trio staff that uh, helped you along the way? Um, I think all of them were super amazing. They're always encouraging and kind and um, Doris and Dominic and Susan and Jorge and Leticia. They were always somebody that you could just, you know, be around or ask questions. And I'm sure you could probably say the same. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, even the teachers, the teachers, I, I remember this one teacher that wrote me also another encouraging letter. Mm -hmm. And those just things stay with you, you know, so they help you to build your confidence and in yourself and that you can do it. And so they're pushing you along the way. And I have a deep, deep respect and admiration for the program and the staff. Wonderful. As we start to wrap up this podcast, Felicia, uh, reflecting on your journey and experiences, are there any things that you would that you're looking forward to, or anything that you're still wanting to do? Yeah. So it seems like there's like a, several parts of me that are that are that are working at different times. Like sometimes I just um, I have an LLC, so I kind of want to speed up things and I want to hire a therapist underneath me mm -hmm. to work to work for me. And so that's like one vision. And then there's another part of me that really wants to slow down a bit and make space for like more like self-development and personal professional development. So I'm kind of like in those two spaces right now. And then there's this like third part of me that like wants to work with the schools and because I, I just see like if we could like start learning and impacting kids at a much earlier age, like teaching them about their their mind body connection mm -hmm. and self regulation and how to calm and, and do some mindfulness activities and do like a little pilot program to see what kind of impact those little things that we help them learn uh, mm -hmm. might help them like academically and behaviorally and in all in all the ways right i think that would be a, like a really cool pilot program to do so i may reach out to um some of our community members here to see if we can you know start that pilot program i mean and it's an idea right now and hopefully it can materialize um but typically our, our people in our community are pretty open to ideas and, and making it better so Right. Wonderful. Well, Felicia, thank you so much for being on the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Uh, you've been a wonderful guest. Uh, thank you so much for sharing a part of your story with us and for give, giving us a glimpse of your current life. Uh, so we do have a tradition with the podcast where we have the guest sign off. Would you, the, would you do the honors? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Juan, for having me here. My name is Felicia Rivera, 
and I'm a graduate of New Mexico Highlands University and an alumni of the TRIO Upward Bound program at Eastern New Mexico University. I attained my bachelor's and master's degree in psychology and social work from New Mexico Highlands University. I will forever be grateful for all the opportunities TRIO has provided for me. TRIO truly works. That was our guest, Felicia Rivera, alumni of the TRIO program at Eastern New Mexico University. Felicia, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your TRIO story. Remember, if you would like to be on the Let's Talk TRIO podcast or know a staff, advocate, or alumni, or participant, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario Riley, Jaded Electronics, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. I'd like to take a moment to thank our honorary members of the Let's Talk Trio podcast, Roderick Chambers, Tony Ho, Scott Kendall, and Susan Cramp. The Let's Talk Trio podcast team is John Russell, audio engineer, music producer and composer, and post-production editor. Amelia Castañeda, script supervisor, marketing manager, social media manager, and producer. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. This episode was recorded January 28th, 2023. Remember to always exercise your right to vote. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.